This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. TL Talk Radio, Season 4, Episode 2. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 2 of TL Talk Radio, a podcast with Lynn Funihetten and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funihetten. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. So today we have the opportunity to talk with another author, author of Steam Makers, Fostering Creativity and Innovation in the Elementary Classroom, Dr. J.C. Maslick. JC is currently the assistant superintendent in the Hopewell Area School District in Pennsylvania, so a native Pennsylvanian here with us this morning, Randy. Um, she served in public education for 20 years as a classroom teacher, a reading specialist, elementary school principal, and director of elementary education. JC has extensive experience in curriculum, instruction, and assessment. A successful school leader, she was recognized as a national distinguished principal finalist in Pennsylvania in 2013 and 2014. She's also involved in a variety of STEAM and making initiatives in the field of education. She served on the board for the Mobile Make Shop at the Pittsburgh Children's Museum and led one of the first elementary schools serving as a mobile maker site. She's also on the Spark Advisory Committee for the Sprout Fund, a national organization that supports innovative ideas and provides funds for catalyzing change in the areas of creativity, innovation, and cultivating connected communities. And welcome to our podcast, JC. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited to talk to you about your book, Steam Makers. So tell us a little bit about this movement and why it's important, uh, why this is an important mentor text for those who are interested in reimagining education. I think we're at a critical time in education right now. We're, we're shifting away from that age of accountability and we're opening up opportunities for more creativity in schools. And that's really what I wanted to capture in the book. Um, there were a lot of schools that, that I was interacting with that were really designing meaningful opportunities around STEAM, uh, STEM, maker education. And the intersection between those two concepts, I think, 
really create some powerful learning opportunities for young people. Um, and so in, in writing the book, I wanted to bring all of those stories in one compilation and share those out with folks. I think the, the movement itself is really about taking the content knowledge that learners gain through STEAM, you know, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, and then applying it in hands-on ways through making. Um, the book gives a, lots, a lot of examples about forward-thinking school districts that are making this happen, um, not only in K through eight, but even some high school examples in there as well. And I think it really just gives some practical ideas for educators who want to get started or learn a little bit more about these ideas. So one of the things I really liked about the book was the merging of these two uh in initiatives, I guess you could say, are these these areas of focus that we have on education and progressive education. And, and I like how you said this idea of breaking out of that typical frame of accountability. And so, you know, our listeners who are really uh, focused on that progressive uh, education mindset uh, will want to definitely tap into this book because there are a lot of really good examples. Um, and I think as educators, we always like to have those examples. And I think that's a really uh, big strength of this book. Thank you. I, I think there are a lot of books out there that um, maybe tell one story, and I wanted to be able to tell lots of stories because the, the story of my particular school might not be something that a reader would identify with, but, but pinpointing other really innovative leaders and school districts in our area, I think provides a well-rounded um, example for, for lots of educators to buy into. Gives you an opportunity to um, make connections to different contexts. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the STEAM making mindset, those four P's, people, personalization, persistence, and play. Well, I think any, any good school leader is going to tell you it's all about the people. It's about the relationships that, that you establish. And I think that is critical in STEAM and maker learning, the connections that students are making with one another as they're, you know, perhaps sitting in a maker space and, and tinkering with some new things. They need to be able to have those communication skills. We want to invest in our teachers. So those are the people who are right there, you know, for our students. How do we engage them in some STEAM and making? Um, and I think the other part of people includes not only community, community members, but partnerships and corporations that can partner with schools and allow you to really propel your, your STEAM and making initiatives uh, beyond the classroom walls by connecting with, with those uh, experts who are out in the field. Uh, through personalization, I, there, there's so much going on right now with personalized learning and personalized professional development. Through STEAM and making, I think this just happens naturally. Students can decide what it is that they're passionate about and have opportunities to pursue those interests through really innovative learning spaces in schools. Persistence, uh, that mindset I think is, is critical. We want our, our students and our educators to be able to fail, uh, sometimes fail really fast and iterate, whether it's a, a design or a new idea, and, and go through that without thinking it's a big stumbling block. We need to make sure that they understand that persevering through a problem is a part of life. And, and I don't know that our traditional models of education really fostered that. And I think the nice part about STEAM and making is it, it allows that failure to be a positive component. Uh, and then lastly, the other, the other piece of that is 
sort of this playfulness. You know, you, you walk into a, a STEAM or makerspace or innovation lab, whatever your district may call it, you see people who are smiling. They're happy. They're they're playful. They're engaging. Um, and I think that that's also a piece that perhaps we've gone away from. We've lost a little bit in education. And so STEAM and making, I think, really br bring play back to the forefront. That's how our littlest learners uh, learn best. And I think we can take that strand all the way through K-12 education. So the mindset being a big piece of your your text and um, we've been talking a lot about mindset here as we've developed our profile of a graduate and our learning beliefs um, you know looking at the knowledge skills and dispositions we want our our students to have and how do we as an organization persevere with that our, ourselves um, knowing that we need to prepare those learners for a different world we actually were doing some work over the course of last year and into this year, working on dispositions with with our teachers as well. Mm. Um, I think there there's a lot of literature out there right now that we really need to expose them to so that they understand that it's not just about their subject area or content area, but how do you develop young people as learners who are thinking flexibly and, and collaborating and understand, you know, how, how to communicate with others. So I, I totally agree. Mm, interesting. So many of those, uh, those, the four P's we find connect to some of this work that we've been doing on our profile of the graduate, sort of answering the question of what knowledge, skills, and dispositions do we want our learners to have. And we've talked a lot also about the four C's in terms of, of skills. And you make some connections in the book to steam making and, uh, and the four C's, creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, and communication. So how does steam making provide opportunities for learners to develop these critical skills? I feel like that's what STEAM and making are all about, to be honest with you. Um, we have here in Hopewell, we have dedicated learning spaces in all of our buildings where our students are able to get together and, and pursue, like I said earlier, some of their passions, some of the projects that really interest them, but also really uh, being intentional about adding hands-on application to all of our content areas. So say in an English class, um, students are, are reading a novel. Our, our teachers are really thinking about how can I embed some sort of hands-on project for my students to make that book come alive? Well, when they're doing that, they're putting students in, in groups, either assigned groups or self-selected groups. Those students are working together in a collaborative manner to meet whatever the goal is that the teacher may have set for them. I think it opens up creativity in ways where, you know, we're stepping away from the, the old teacher's manual. We're opening up the opportunity for students to be innovative and think about creative projects. Uh, I think when we do that, our students are taking the ownership and driving that learning. So they are thinking critically. It's not the teacher doing the work, but we're having the students really move forward in, in their thinking. Um, and, and I see that happen all of the time in, in our STEAM and, and making classes. So I feel like it's a natural way that the four C's sort of are, are woven within that type of learning that you might not see necessarily in a traditional classroom. And when you're thinking about those um, different types of learning, you know, we're thinking about now we need to think about how we assess it, right? <laughs> and you talk about badging as one way to assess STEAM making. And this is something that's fascinating for, for Randy and I. We've been talking a lot about badging with adults 
and adult learners in our district. So, um, and much about it as creation and earning the badge through creation and competency. So tell us a little bit about this, the badging as a way to assess theme making. The way that I brought up badging in the book um, referred to the experience that I had in my previous school district where I was the principal of a K through six elementary school. Um, and we had an open maker space. We didn't have a teacher who facilitated the learning. So classes were in and out all the time. We opened it up at lunchtime and it sort of came out of a problem. You know, I might've been in the maker space and didn't know if a student was able or capable of, you know, say using a soldering iron. That's a potentially dangerous tool that I, we don't just throw around easily. And so we started talking about what can we do so that any adult who's in the space knows whether students have, have sort of mastered a skill or not. Um, so badging came, came out of that problem for us. Uh, we had a, a way that we could understand that, you know, this student is great at using the sewing machine. That's our go-to person. Here's our expert on uh, coding. We know that they've met certain criteria and they can be a, a leader in the classroom for other students. So we found it to be really beneficial as a, maybe more of a, an accountability mm -hmm. and safety piece. Mm -hmm. We didn't use it to assess in a, in a grading sense. Um, and I'll give you another example. This past year, um, we did sort of a pilot program at our high school where we had a teacher who did some badging work with um, some high school students, and they earned um, badges in, again, I think programming, robotics. There were four different categories, and it was self-paced, something that the students were interested in, and allowed them to demonstrate their competency. It, it wasn't for a grade necessarily, but the badging process really allowed us to turn the learning over to the student and say, show us what you know, show us how you can demonstrate that this is something that you've, uh, that you've mastered. Mm -hmm. And in that case, it wasn't, it, it's not show us what you know to show us, it's show us what you know so we can leverage you as a resource mm -hmm. and make sure we keep you safe, which is an, which is an interesting concept too. Mm. Well, and I think kids feed off of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I talked about it a little bit in the book. I, I had a, a student who was uh, on the autism spectrum, who was this genius when it came to, to computers and coding. And it allowed him the opportunity to really shine in that space where, where maybe students weren't socially connecting with him, but they knew he was the go-to person. He had right. that badge first. He could speak about it to other students and, and, and literally taught adults at times. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it was a great way for him to shine. It's a different type of authentic audience. Mm -hmm. So you're located on the western side of Pennsylvania, and we have always been uh, somewhat envious and impressed with all of the wonderfully progressive stuff that goes on uh, in terms of education on that side of our state. And it seems like one of the things that's fueling that, and you mentioned this uh, in your book, is the uh, the networks that are created there. And you're part of, I believe, the Remake Learning Network, and you do you do mention that. So talk about how the role of being in, uh, the importance of being in a learning network such as Remake Learning helps to fuel progressive initiatives like STEAM making. The Remake Learning Network has been a huge influence on me Personally, uh, my growth as a leader, my growth as a learner, um, 
the the way that they bring educators together around really important topics to education is refreshing. Um, the fact that you can attend these events, these meetups, or, and, and talk to other educators who are working through the same things as you are uh, has been such a, a supportive uh, scenario for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been able to connect with lots of educators and it has established partnerships that might not have existed before. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I, when I wrote the book and uh, was involved in the mobile make shop advisory committee, my school and another school were the two that were sort of the, the model schools. And it allowed us to create this really nice relationship with the other school. We ended up, you know, sharing programs. We wrote some articles together. So it established a friendship, really, uh, which has been great. But, but Remake um, pulls together so many different stakeholders. And I think that's what's also beneficial because it's not just teachers and principals who are coming together, but it's out of school, after school learning organizations and nonprofits and museum educators and higher education folks. Um, that makes for a really rich conversation when you have all of those different perspectives uh, involved. So I think Remake has, has done a fabulous job of continuing to build those relationships. Um, I, I just wrote a guest blog post for Remake um, about some work that I'm doing here in Beaver County. Uh, Remake Learning is focused in Allegheny County for the most part. Um, certainly they, they stretch beyond state borders as well, but when I came to Beaver County, a network like that didn't really exist. Um, I didn't see a lot of that collaborative relationship. And for me personally, as an educator, I needed that. So I started talking to some people here in Beaver County about, you know, what, what can we do? How can we partner? What can we do to work together? And what ended up happening was we've created our own consortium. Uh, we are called the Beaver County Innovation and Learning Consortium. We are made up of three school districts, uh, Hopewell, Beaver Area, and Rochester. And we've partnered with our intermediate unit, which is IU27. Um, we actually wrote a grant and very happily were funded through the Grable Foundation to start similar work here in Beaver County. So mm -hmm. over the last six to eight months or so, We've been sharing professional development across these districts. We've been visiting uh, different sites. We've all developed a makerspace in each of our districts. Um, and we're just looking for ways to connect with our community, um, to connect with corporations that are in Beaver County so that we can really leverage the work that we're doing as, as an, a new consortium and add more school districts and more organizations to create that same collaborative network that I think is so effective in Allegheny County. So you've worked really diligently as a leader to identify gaps and locate resources and build networks and, and connections to learn and share with each other. Um, through your work. Congratulations on the grant. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> what, what advice would you give uh, for other leaders or what do you think it's important um, for leaders to be able to do what knowledge, skills, or dispositions as, as we move forward into this area and, and what you've done yourself and with your colleagues? I think the biggest thing is you have to be willing to take risks. Um, we want our teachers to take risks in the classroom. We want our students to take risks in their learning. And that's not gonna happen if the leaders aren't 
presenting in that same sort of way. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're a principal or if you're a central office uh, staff, you can't um, you can't live in what used to be. I think you need to be forward thinking. You need to be looking at what opportunities exist and be willing to say yes. Um, be willing when a teacher comes and says, hey, I have like this crazy idea. I want to do this in my classroom. Yeah, let's talk about it. How can I help you to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And I think when more leaders have that response, it just compels our educators to try more and think creatively. Mm -hmm. um, and, and at least here in Hopewell, we've really found that to be uh, successful. We have a, a group, a core group of leaders who want to make our district the best that we possibly can. And so when someone brings an idea forward, we do whatever we can to make it happen because we know they're going to be invested in it. Mm -hmm. um, if it's coming from, from their heart, from their love for kids and their willingness to really be innovative. So do you have any structures in place for people to bring these ideas to you? Or is it sort of an implicit, you know, we have an open door and we're looking for these ideas. Are there any formal structures? Uh, well, Yes and no. Uh, last year, we started an innovation committee. Mm -hmm. um, it was a group of teachers who got together to just say, you know, I I'm interested in this. I've heard about this idea. What do you think? Almost just a group that could kind of dialogue a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. We also did some things where we got them out of the district. We went and visited some really cool places in our region. Um, we went to Invention Land. We went to uh, a place called Construction Junction. Um, we went to these innovative businesses so that teachers could sort of stretch their minds beyond education and, and think about what could be. Um, so through that, and I think the relationships that were built there, not only between teachers, but with myself and with some of our other leaders, it's created a really open conversation about this. Um, but um, both my superintendent and I would tell you that our doors are always open and we love it when people show up and say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, it's, it's sort of something that um, I think we pride ourselves on because communication is really critical if we're going to move ourselves forward. So I really appreciate the fact that you're a practitioner and you're uh, passionate about this particular aspect of progressive education, and you've put that into a form of, of a book that uh, is very usable uh, to the reader. And again, like I said earlier, one of the um, nice parts about it is there are tons of examples um, that we as educators can can latch on to and get a sense of what this steam maker movement is. What are some of the examples um, that you think that you could help our listeners get a glimpse into the power of uh, thinking this way about changing our system. What are some of the most powerful examples that you could share? Um, well, I, I think I think there are a lot here in, in our region. Um, one of the districts that I talk about in the book is Avonworth. Um, Avonworth was one of the other schools that was a mobile make shop site. And their, their primary school in particular is doing some fabulous things with maker education. They've partnered with a local organization, uh, local university. Um, they really partner with their parents so that parents understand why making is important. They bring parents in and have maker nights. Um, so I think they've, oh, they've done a really nice job. I, I like, like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they'll What are some of the things they make in maker nights? Like what are the... 
what are they making? I mean, they're, they do woodworking. They've done some robotics, um, mm. you know, circuitry. So the same kinds of hands-on things that you might try with the class of first graders, they're doing with parents mm. so that parents see that same frustration in putting something together and it not working the first time so that parents are developing, you know, the dispositions like persevering through a problem. Um, and it's, they've, they've really gotten a lot of buy-in. Their parents organize their makerspace. So, um, you know, if Miss Smith's homeroom is responsible for bringing in paper towel rolls, then a mom or dad comes in, organizes the paper towel rolls, gets them all lined up in the right cabinet. So their, their parents are really on board. Um, I think they, I think Avonworth provides a great model for how to really pull in parents and community partners. Um, and that's mostly just at the elementary school. They're, they're doing wonderful things at their other levels as well. Um, I think another school district to mention uh, is Quaker Valley. They um, have done a lot of partner work with us this year. We're kind of close in proximity. So we've sent teachers over to their space. They've sent teachers to our space. We've been able to um, kind of pick their brains about some of their initiative. And it's been really helpful um, both for, for ours ourselves at the leadership level, but our teachers also. So that, that's been really nice. Um, mm -hmm. I think through social media, um, I love Twitter. It is probably one of the best professional development tools for me personally. And I've connected with tons of educators, I think, who are doing really cool things out there. Um, Kathy Krasnowski in, in New Jersey um, is doing a ton of innovative things in her classroom. Uh, Trisha Fugelstad in Chicago is an art teacher who's just posting some tremendous things that she's doing with kids uh, on Twitter. Diana Rendina from Florida, a uh, maker librarian who is just uh, amazing. And, and I think from the, the leadership perspective, Pam Moran in Virginia is just the epitome of <laughs> that type of leader. Um, I, I love following what she's doing and connecting with her through Twitter. She has been uh, pretty inspirational. So I think there's a thread that goes through all those examples, and that is to think this way and to actually put this into practice requires collaboration and connection uh, and supporting each other uh, in different locations to learn and to improve on this. And I don't think any of those examples you gave were in isolation, people who are just doing this mm -hmm. in isolation. There's that thread of collaboration. So I think that's a really important theme there. Well, and I think you said something important, Randy, connected. Being connected educators I think is the only way to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, if we continued in this sort of siloed manner of education, both within our schools and our subject areas, but even as individuals, growth and learning just can't occur. I love to be able to connect with folks across the country and hear what they're doing and see what they're doing and think, oh, all right, how can I take that back? Maybe change it up a little bit but, and, and use it with my staff or with my students. So that the power of, of being connected, I think, is critical. Thank you very much for sharing that, JC. So what's next for you? What are you working on now? In addition to your, your um, assistant superintendent role, right? <laughs> right, because that doesn't take up time. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> um, I just started a Twitter chat. Um, my oh. new Twitter chat, it is called the Steam Maker Chat. We just did our first one last week. Um, we're going to just do them once a month, and it's a great way for innovative educators to connect. Um, we had quite a few people join in for our first time, so I think it was was pretty successful. Um, 
I literally just hit the submit button for a proposal for a second book. Um, I don't know what will happen with that, but, um, you know, I'm nervous, cautiously <laughs> optimistic. Uh, we'll see what's happening there. Um, I, in February, um, was invited to present at the AASA conference, and that'll be my first time there, um, presenting with a panel of other authors. So we're going to talk to school leaders about what it's like to take an idea that you have and bring it to fruition uh, through publication. So that's going to be uh, exciting and new opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then just the other thing that I want to mention um, is with regards to the consortium that I mentioned to you, the Beaver County Innovation and Learning Consortium. Um, last month, we were named one of uh, five STEM ecosystems in Pennsylvania, uh, which was crazy to us, but we are so, so honored. Um, and, and it actually resulted in just this week, we had um, a visit here in Hopewell from uh, Secretary Rivera, who came to talk with us about some of our innovative programs. Yeah, very exciting work. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, thank you so much for joining us, JC. And for our, our listeners, you can learn more about JC's work um, in the show notes. We've linked to her book. We'll add some links about the Steemaker chat and blog posts and also the Beaver County Learning Consortium. Each episode, we leave you with a question or two to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's questions are, what elements of the Steemaker mindset are evident in your school or classroom? And second, what Steemaker project ideas do you have after listening to all of the ideas which JC shared with us this morning? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just connect with the resources shared, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season four, episode two. That's all for this episode. We'll be back soon featuring another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, JC. Thank you guys. Thanks, JC. Bye-bye. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.